Well, good morning, everybody. It is really nice to see you. I'm excited to be sharing the next four weeks uh, preaching, including uh, I'm preaching on Biker Sunday. Uh, many of you know that I'm a pretty big biker guy. And uh, somebody came up to me this morning and said, will I be having a temporary tattoo for Biker Sunday? Yeah, it's going to be Prince Charles with enormous ears. I can't wait for that. So uh, very excited to see that happening. Well, over the last three weeks, we've been thinking about brokenness, a broken spirit, broken mind, broken relationships. And we're continuing that theme, a new series, Jailhouse Rock, Beauty and Brokenness. And we're going to be thinking about a church that was at breaking point and uh, how God helped the church in Philippi. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote Philippians to them as a letter, a conversation from prison, probably in Rome. And we're going to dive right into this, uh, if you're following along in the bulletin, as we think uh, this morning about the redemption of suffering, suffering redeemed. So let's have a look at Philippians chapter 1. And, uh, and verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. About eight weeks ago, I changed my name. Uh, I used to be known as Jeff. Uh, I am now known officially as Grandad, and I am really very, very excited about that. That's nice of you. Thank you. It was a relatively painless experience for me, really. And you probably think I'm going to be one of those sad preachers who just talks endlessly about their grandchildren and shows you photographs. And I am not going to be like that. That would be uh, so inappropriate and uh, unhelpful. But um, there he is. <laughs> is he cute or what? <laughs> That's uh, Stanley Benjamin. Uh, uh, he, is, uh, he was born 7 pounds, 12 ounces. He, he was breech. Guys, that means he was the wrong way up, okay? And uh, that meant that my daughter had to have a caesarean section. Many of you know that I am always lost everywhere I go. And my son-in-law said, uh, Jeff, your grandson has inherited <laughs> your sense of direction. There was only one doorway out, and he missed that thing, so. <laughs> lost and a little bewildered there. Well, the church in Philippi was feeling a little lost and bewildered when Paul wrote to them. It's ironic, really, because they were living in a beautiful resort town. It was a Roman colony. They wore Roman clothing, used the language, Latin mostly, in the city. The city was laid out according to the architectural style of Rome. Uh, it was a rich city, springs nearby, gold mines nearby, a great place for a vacation. And yet here in this place of beauty, 
there is also incredible pressure. And it had always been that way. Right from the very start of the birth of the church, you can read about that in Acts chapter 16, there was both a combination of blessing, but also pressure. A man from Macedonia, there was a vision, Acts 16 verse 9, a man from Macedonia appears to the Apostle Paul and says, come over and help us. And Paul travels to Philippi with his little apostolic team, Silas, Timothy, Luke. And the very first convert, we were just hearing about Europe, Europe's very first Christian convert, Lydia, was converted in Philippi. Uh, a slave girl was delivered uh, from demonic spirits. There was an incredible sense of the supernatural happening. And yet there was battle too. Paul and Silas are arrested, beaten, placed in prison. They sing hymns at midnight. Again, there's a supernatural ignition. There is an earthquake. The doors fly open. The jailer is terrified. He knows that he will lose his life if the prisoners escape. He, he threatens suicide and then becomes a Christian himself. You see, there's this mingling in Philippi of blessing and pressure. And certainly pressure. Uh, elsewhere, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes there about his struggles that he had in Philippi. We had previously suffered, he says, and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. And in, in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul uses two words that show to us some of his of, of the tensions that he felt. In, in verse 17, he uses the word trouble, flipsis, which means it, it speaks of an internal, inner distress and pain. And then in verse 30, the word struggle. It's translated struggle, but it, it's the root word agony. It's the same word used to describe the struggles of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, here is Paul struggling. And he writes to a church that is struggling and near breaking point too. They were worried about Paul being in prison. By this time, most likely he'd been in jail for two years. They were feeling the pressure of living for Christ in a dark culture. So Paul writes to them about living uh, shining like bright stars in chapter 2. One of their own members was sick, Epaphroditus. There were false teachers trying to infiltrate the church, chapter 3. There was a threat of division. People are, uh, are in conflict. They're falling out with each other. Here is a church in pressure. And Paul writes to them. It may well be, surely it is true to say, that the words that we read here are massively relevant to us too. You see, beyond the apocalyptic headlines that we suffer weekly about credit crunch and fears and traumas about the future, I know that right now people listening to my voice have their own struggles beyond the headlines. Health struggles and financial concerns and worries about that mortgage or that that job or your business. I am so happy that the Apostle Paul doesn't write to them and to us and say something stupid like, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Isn't that good? You know, have you ever had someone, you're, you're, you're kind of 
really weary and someone says, don't worry, be happy. And you think, you know, yeah, be happy and be slapped with it. You know, that's a that's a great response. He does not say that this is the epistle of joy. And yet there's some very practical advice for us, too. So let's have a look. Follow along in the bulletin with me. When we're in pressure, first of all, let's remember our source. We are servants, saints and sons and daughters. Paul writes and he says, we are servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. He says, we know that we are the servants, doulos is the Greek word, slaves of Jesus. But then he immediately starts speaking in verse 2 about the Father God and reminding them and us that they are, first of all, saints and then sons and daughters of this God. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Saint. Because of the way that the church generally throughout history has used the word saint, we tend to think that a saint is someone who is very good, very holy, and frankly, very dead. That's the qualifications <laughs> generally for being a saint. Do you know it's highly possible, very likely indeed, that you are sitting next to a saint this morning? I see some of you nudging each other to make sure that death has not yet reached you. <laughs> because the word saint means set apart ones. Hagios, the saints of God. It's got nothing to do with being fluorescent and being dead. It's about knowing that you are set apart for the purposes of God. And yes, that you are a son or a daughter of God if you are in Christ. You see... Paul is saying, there are many things that you don't know. But when you are facing an uncertain horizon, affirm what you do know. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. Isn't it true that that can, that can give us a security? I'm afraid it doesn't say, God is your daddy, so therefore nothing bad will happen. And I wish I could write that in. I, I, I wish it... I wish it was like that, don't you? I prefer doing faith in Hawaii, personally. It doesn't say that. What it does say is, remember your relationship with God. He is at work in you. He'll carry on that work. Verse 6. It's not just about you sweating your way, trying to be a better person. No, God is involved in us, working in us, energizing us, with us. And we can know security because he is our father. I was thinking about my own dad recently. Some of my earliest memories of him. He used to dance with me. He'd pick me up and we'd, we'd dance around the room and, and uh, he would sing a lullaby uh, in my ears. I remember that feeling. I, I don't know how old I was. 24, 25. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Just checking there. I remember that feeling of, uh, it's all right, because Dad's here. I am conscious, even as I say that, that for some of us, that's a painful thing to hear, because that's not been our experience. But I want you to know this. You can know the perfect Father. You can know the wonderful God. Maybe you're a guest with us at Timberline this morning, and if you are, thank you so much for braving 
crossing the threshold of Timberline Church and being here. And I want you to know, I don't want to harangue you, I want to invite you. You can, whatever you don't know, you can go out of this place this morning saying, God is my Father. I am now a Christian. I have made that choice. Some of you, I hear you saying, but I'm not spiritual. It's too late. You've been born. You have a pulse. That means you're spiritual, whether you like it or not. It doesn't mean that you're in spiritual truth, but you've been created spiritual. That's why in Prague, Team Challenge, which we're going to get behind at the end of the service as part of our giving, Team Challenge are building a center to help with drug and alcohol abuse because the communist government tried to legislate God out of the picture, but there's still an emptiness because everyone is made spiritual. And the opportunity today is to make that decision to come to Christ. And I want you to know that at the end of this service, there will be a moment when some of us can make that choice. Secondly, firstly, we remember our source. And secondly, we invest in our friendships, thinking, caring and praying. Paul celebrates that in verses three to six. And then look at verses seven and eight. It is right for me, he says, to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, for whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify, look at this, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This is a man who doesn't just have superficial friendships, there's partnership in friendship here. He uses that word koinonia, partner. Five times in uh, Philippians. In Philippians 4.1, he runs out of words to describe the depth of his love for his friends. My brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Superlatives are, are spilling out of his mouth because he just loves his friends so much. I want to ask the question, are we, are we investing in friendship? You know, one of the things I've learned, I'd, I'd forgotten, being the old man that I am these days, but I'd forgotten just how loud babies cry. And forgive me for being so bold, but how much they poop. I mean, it, it's a remarkable thing. My grandson is going to be an Olympic pooper. I know it. Uh, forgive me for using the word poop on a Sunday morning comes from the Greek word poopoousin. <laughs> you know, some of you are writing that down. I was kidding, okay? Can't wait to tell my friends over lunch. So I've discovered this thing called Skype. Anyone know what Skype is? You can have a video, uh, a video telephone call. Uh, we did that yesterday with Stanley. And they held Stanley up to the computer. And he's right there. And I can see him. And he's smiling. And he's, and he's, he's saying, hello, granddad. He's only eight weeks old. But I know that's what he meant. But guess what? Because he's 6,000 miles away, there's no poop. It's all sanitized. It's just pleasant. It's an image. And some of us, we do life like that. I don't want, I don't want the pain. I don't want the grief of friendship. Just stay away. But the Apostle Paul, no, he invests. He, he loves his friends. Uh, and by the way, he, he gives some hints about how to build friendship. He says, I have you in my mind. He thinks about people. 
in verses uh, 3 to 6. I have you in my heart. He cares about them, verses 7 and 8. I have you in my prayers. If you want to build friendship, think about people, care for them, pray for them. Friendship will build naturally as a result of that. Are we investing in friendship? Thirdly, thirdly, let's know that suffering can be redeemed. Suffering can be redeemed. Paul describes his chains. Look at verses 12 to 14. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, did Paul want to be in prison? Answer, no. He wanted to preach the gospel in Rome the key city of the civilization of the day. But he's in prison. He knows that God is not the architect of his pain, but he knows that God can redeem that pain. And he says, my chains have served to advance the gospel. The word advance there is a Greek word used to describe the engineers who go ahead of an army to clear the obstacles. He's saying... My chains are clearing the way. God is redeeming this situation and the word is getting out. And he's got a remarkable perspective on death as well. He talks about departing, another military word which means to take down your tent and move on. He is saying, I am suffering but God is redeeming my pain. Now are you like me? When I'm suffering... I don't really care very much about redemption. I just want to escape it. I just want to be out of it. I've just got to be honest about that because it, this could be a very pious moment. Are you suffering? Well, then ask the Lord to redeem. I don't think it's that easy. Nonetheless, it's a good prayer to pray. If we are suffering right now, God use this season both for me and for others around me. Redeem this this valley time in my life. Many of you will remember lovely Hope Herman, part of our church family here at Timberline. Just over a year ago, this is Hope. Hope was uh, battling cancer. And I, I attended perhaps the, one of the finest Christian gatherings of my life. And it took place right over there in that corner where the baptismal tank is, because Hope was baptized. Her mum, Diane, preached one of the most amazing and brief sermons I've ever heard uh, in my life. It was an incredible, an incredible experience of her, Hope, putting her trust in Christ, knowing that, humanly speaking, there were many struggles. And a few weeks later, uh, Hope died. And I was so impacted by that young lady, I wrote a little booklet called Infinite Hope, an evangelistic uh, booklet that told her story. Something happened in terms of God redeeming suffering in England just a few weeks ago. A young lady called Jade Goody. Jade Goody was a reality TV star. She appeared on Big Brother a few years ago. Uh, frankly, she made her mark by being very creative in her cussing. She, uh, she was one of those loud characters 
And uh, she somehow managed to capture the public imagination. And when she was diagnosed herself with cancer, uh, the press followed her story very carefully. It was on CNN. It was in the New York Times. Uh, Here's some of the press cuttings uh, from England. Because about six weeks before Jade died, she made a decision to become a Christian. She gave her life to Christ. And as you'll see from the next uh, headline uh, here, I've had the happiest day of my life. Now I'm ready to go to heaven. And she actually died. Mother's Day is different in England. She actually died on Mother's Day. She had two small children. And, um, and, and she went home to be with the Lord. There was a public outpouring of grief in England. The Prime Minister made a statement about Jade Goody's death. And I got an email about a week, five days before her funeral. The church that was organizing her funeral opened the building for books of remembrance to be signed. And thousands of people came to sign the books. The vicar of that church had got a hold of one of the little booklets that described Hope Herman's journey and described what happened right over there. And she said, Jeff, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage the Timberline family and Hope's family especially. We are going to give a copy of that book to every person who signs the book of remembrance and to every person who comes to the funeral. Nearly 100,000 books were given away. Something that happened in that tank. More especially, the incredible pain that Hope and her family felt and for her family still feel, was somehow redeemed. And who knows? The BBC got hold of the story, and suddenly I find myself talking to a BBC interviewer about little hope. Because God is able to redeem chains and suffering. Can we, in our own lives, when we struggle... Can we come to that place? Yes, we want to say, God, get me out of this. But can we say, God, use this suffering for me and for others? Well, the last thing I want to talk about briefly this morning is very simply that we're called to trust God in the unknown. To trust God in the unknown. Because the Apostle says, whatever happens, verse 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. There's something really interesting here that I just need to point out to you before we pray together. Paul is writing from Rome to Philippi. He's in prison in Rome and he's writing to the place where he was set free from prison by a divinely inspired earthquake. Think about that. Paul could have said, hold on now, what's gone wrong in my life? I used to get out of jail because of earthquakes and now I've spent two years in this cell, in this place of arrest. There's mystery there. How come he, he did the jailbreak in Philippi but not in Rome? Answer, there isn't an answer. We don't know. But he says, whatever happens, whatever happens, serve God. Isn't it true that sometimes we can say, God, I will serve you if. Or conversely, God, if this happens, we're through. We're done. But the Apostle Paul writes to people in pressure and he says, whatever happens, 
Stay faithful. May that be true of us. Now, before you bow your head with me to pray, I want to remind you one more time. Hope over there was able to be in faith because she knew Jesus. Jade Goody over there knew when she died that she was in Christ. Now's the moment when in this auditorium, in the South Auditorium, now is the moment when there is an opportunity perhaps for us, some of us here, to make that choice. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your presence with us today and for your word, your word written to a people in pressure, your word that comes home in relevance to us today. Be with us in these moments, Lord. Move among us by your spirit, we pray. Very simply, let's just keep our heads bowed and I'm not going to draw this out and make this a lengthy thing. But I'd like to ask you to make a response. If today you know that you need to become a Christian and you want to make this absolutely clear, I want to be a follower of Christ. And I'm going to ask you, wherever you're seated, in this auditorium, in the South Auditorium, wherever you are, if that's your choice, you'd say, yes, I want to know Christ. I want to be able to walk out of here today knowing that my life is now His. I'm going to ask you, wherever you're seated, wherever you are, to just slip up your hand for a moment, hold it there, and then put it down. Would you do that and join those who are already doing that? God bless you. I can see your hands. That is wonderful to see. Decisions and choices being made, I'm sure, here and in the South too. You can put your hands down. And why don't you pray something like this in your heart. Lord, I... I choose you now. Thank you that you've chosen to accept me, Jesus. Forgive me my sin. I repent of my independence days. I want to love and serve you. I want to be your follower. Thank you that I can be forgiven because of what Christ has done on the cross. Take charge of my life now. Cause me to be a follower of yours. As in this moment, 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning in Colorado, I choose Christ. I want to say to those of you that have just prayed that prayer, at the end our prayer team will be at the front of the venues and we would love to take a moment to pray with you. And we pray too, Lord. Followers of yours, help us to affirm today that we are servants and saints and sons and daughters. Work in us this week. Thank you that we're not alone. Help us to invest in our friendships, in our minds, in our hearts, in our prayers. Help us, especially those of us that suffer today, help us to pray the epic prayer, the courageous prayer that suffering might be redeemed. And help us, Lord, When what is happening now is not what happened before, as Paul experienced, help us to trust you when we don't understand. Thank you that you will help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sit up together.